so w- welcome to church, especially if you're visiting for the first time. This is a bit of an unusual one. You picked the right night to visit. And then Vince, can I, would, you, would it be okay if I move this guy? Because I've got a thing about Mark stands being taller than, than me. Uh, the power of an indestructible life. There is a verse in the book of Hebrews that really draws my attention to that scripture. And I wanted to take you there. So production, thank, thank you. Hebrews chapter seven, just verse 16, just a little verse talking about where, where we really get our strength from. And it says this, no one has become a priest, not on the basis of regulations as to his ancestry, but on the basis of the power of an indestructible life. Let's talk about Jesus. And it's saying, Jesus didn't qualify to be our priest because he learned it or he inherited it from his ancestors. He became our priest, our spiritual role model by living an indestructible life. And there is something really powerful about answering the question whether your life is safe and whether church is safe. And what that term safe means has really become so significant over the years. You know, some people get into relationships that have lots of emotion, but they're not safe. They're destructive, ultimately, even though there's lots of feelings. And sometimes people join churches, and I I hope this has never happened to you, that you're not always sure if you feel safe, if you share or express your weakness or your sin. You're not sure if the way in which that might be handled will put you in a safe space or in a critical space. I just want you to know, we're super comfortable with you being in church, even if you're broken in some area. That's probably because everybody we've ever met, from the guy holding the mic to the people making the coffee, has been or is broken in some place at some time in our lives. And if you don't make it safe for somebody else, then you may as well switch the lights off on your way out yourself. That's too much, but soon. But there's more to the idea of building an indestructible or a safe life spiritually. There are scriptures very common and popular to many of us, like uh, Matthew chapter 7. Therefore, anyone who hears the words of mine and puts them in, into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain comes down, the storms arose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. But anyone who hears these words of mine and does not put into practice is like a foolish man builds his house in sand. The rain's gonna come down. See, we all get the same amount of struggle in so many ways. And yet, some fall and some stand. Now, each person's struggle may seem very unique. Yours is a little different to mine, but the pressure it applies on our spiritual lives is similar. Do you know when you have nothing, you have a certain kind of pressure. And when you have too much wealth, you have a different kind of pressure. But the pressure is still where it's aimed at, your spirit, that makes it so common to every one of us. We may have different physical experiences and even different emotional experiences, but we all have the same spiritual experience. We're either dead without Christ or made alive through Christ and are therefore equally powerful by the same Spirit, no matter what happens to our external or our emotional. You see, the Spirit is the great equaliser because the Spirit has no colour or education and no history 
and no past. Everything else about you can be categorized by a different description. Your body can have a shape and a colour and a scar and a past. And your soul can have a history and a breakdown and a scar and a past. But the spirit has only two conditions, dead without Christ or quickened and made fully alive in Christ. And since your spirit is eternal, surely we should measure our equality by things that are eternal and not things that are temporal, right? Okay, so that's a whole nother night all by itself. The rain came down, uh, the, 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 um, the streams rose, the wind blew against uh, the house, it fell with a great crash. And when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowd were amazed at His teachings because He's taught as one with authority, not as their teachers of the law. Uh, I, I wanted to go all the way to the end of that verse because you, you can't build a safe place in your life without spiritual authority. Don't rely on wishy-washy, sort of feel-good kind of a faith thing. Get some authority. Let a yes be a yes and a no, no now and then. Don't be so evasive that in the end it sounds nice to the ears, but it provides no safety to the soul. Because sometimes your friends will tell you nice things about something they know isn't safe. And that's not kind to you. If they know you're dating somebody or involved with somebody that isn't safe, but it's awkward now to say it. You should have some friends in your life who are willing to get through the awkwardness to give you spiritual safety. Can you say amen to that? And you should have some pastors in your life who are willing to do the same thing. We'll have some awkward conversations. We should. When Jesus asked the woman, go fetch your husband, he knew he was making it awkward. That's an awkward conversation to somebody who's had five. Which one? Well, the last one you tagged in a post, go fetch him. I'm not even married to that one. I know. That's awkward. And you know, it's really funny how Jesus and her have this conversation. She tries to get very spiritual. I've had this in my life. When people find out what I do, they get very spiritual. Ask very clever questions. So she knows she's got too many husbands, four too many. That's a lot. So she quickly juggles. Listen, where do we worship? Do we worship on a mountain or do we worship by the river? Jesus is like, fetch the husband. You know, sometimes we're tempted to juggle the conversation, but you need, in order to create shelter, in spiritual shelter in your life, you need words of authority. Don't, don't play with that kind of thing. That doesn't make shelter. That, 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 that'd be tempting, but it doesn't make shelter. Isaiah 8.14 from the Amplified says, then it shall be a sanctuary, a sacred, indestructible shelter for those who fear and trust in Him. That's how you build a shelter. Trust in the Lord. A fear is reverence. You've got to have something you respect. Let me tell you, you don't respect weak things. I've often told people when they date, if you break your partner down to the point that they are weak, you will no longer respect them enough to be with them. Be careful the partner you make. You may not want to date them. And be careful the God you make. You may not want to worship Him. 
You, I don't have time. I just want to get into this. You diminish Him so much. Some people, they start out with God Almighty. Then they take Him out of their finances and out of their sex life and out of their language. Now you got yourself a little God. What are you going to do with that? Put it on a shelf. That's not a shelter. That needs a shelter. But you made Him. Now you turn to Him. And you say, where is your strength? Well, my strength is in all the bits and pieces you cut out along the way and left me like that. We're still crucifying him. We just don't know it. Okay, okay, long weekend vibes. Coming back at you. <laughs> you got to build a structure. Oh, okay, we'll get to that. Okay, you got to build a structure. I don't have any more time. Is that clock for me? Is that clock for me? Four minutes. And I can't ignore the clock because there's going to be a lot of trouble in the back there. You've got to build a structure. Uh, What I mean by that is if you want a faith, so if you want a faith that is a shelter, then it has to have authority. If you want a faith that is a shelter, a safe place, then it has to have a structure. You can't have an ad hoc faith. A little bit of this, and then I blended with a little bit of that. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. It's a little bit hypocritical. It's a little bit shallow. It looks like it was written by five different children. And then you're like, that's my faith. That's not, it will not be a shelter. It all has to add up. It all has to connect. Ephesians 2, Amplified Bible this time. In whom the whole body, this all of us, the whole structure is joined together, continues to increase and grow into a holy temple in the Lord, a sanctuary dedicated, set apart and sacred to the presence of the Lord. You see, the, the Lord says, uh, no, you're not that you are a temple of the Lord. You need a structure. There's a reason why in Jeremiah, that passage about a vision and bone coming to bone and adding together, you've got to have a structure to things. Some people's faith has absolutely no structure. If you did anything else in your life with that little structure, you would get nowhere. And so I want, I want to encourage us to build a structure. And then lastly, uh, your faith needs flesh and blood sinew. A shelter is a compassionate place. And one of the things I've missed about church over the last two years, because we haven't been allowed to do it, is just simply the power of hugging one another. And greeting one another with a holy kiss. Okay, so the holy kiss does not involve the mouth. Just want you to know that's why it's holy. It's that. I know the French think they introduced it, but it was the Greeks in the Bible. We missed that because sometimes the affection of safety is greater than the words of safety or the place of safety. It's the emotion of safety. I can talk to somebody and not be in the same space as them, but I feel safe in the conversation and I walk away from that in safety because it has compassion. And if your faith lacks compassion or you've only ever encountered a Christianity that lacks compassion, then you didn't find the sanctuary of our Lord Jesus Christ. You found some other place people built and called a sanctuary, but he chose not to visit it. He's still outside. My prayer is that uh, we, we will recognize how to build whatever it takes to build to have a safe faith and to live a life in spiritual safety.
in the one and a half minutes I have, I want to wrap this up by in reintroducing some of our church culture uh, here at 6 p.m. Because usually uh, over the years, 6 p.m. has really been the, way, the place where the well gets dug. So we sang our church into revival at the 6 p.m. over the years. Now for many of you, you're new here. You're new because you're new students to the city and you, you, know, you were in high school when the pandemic and now you're, I don't, you know, you're a grown-up. So I want to tell you how it works because sometimes people don't know what's allowed and what's not allowed. And so here's what I want to re-encourage. We, we uh, left space in the front here because over the years, worshippers would just make their way to the front during the singing and worship. Now, can I just have a dad moment? Be serious when you come. Don't be looking to hug that girl you've been wanting to hug for a while. What, what? Because I'm in the front row. I'm watching you. If I see some other kind of spirit, you and me are going to have that awkward conversation that Jesus did have with a woman at the well. Be serious. Don't flex. Don't flex your nightclub garment in the... There were nights like that. Though. Was, I remember nights. Young, young people come to me and go, we just came straight from the night club. We didn't sleep. Through the night, into the day, we came to church. And I was like, Jesus needs to heal you. Thank you for being here. This is the place where Jesus is going to heal you. But be serious. But do it. You're allowed to do that here. We want to create a culture of, uh, you can help yourself to the fridge, so to speak, in our house. Uh, the fridge is that there isn't like a holy club of pastors and leaders who dominate the front. We're all just worshipers. So you can do that. You can even during worship, go and have communion and help yourself to the fridge. Or you feel moved in your heart and you write a prayer request at one of the tables there. You do it. That's why we have it out there. Anytime. Before church, that's why the coffee shop's down there and the church is here. So it's got a bit of a holy space, a safe space for you to go write a prayer request before church or after church. And you've got the freedom to participate in communion on your own or with some friends at any time before church, during worship or after church. You're even allowed from time to time, should the Spirit lead, for you to accidentally take over the worship. Now what I mean by that, one group of people knows exactly what I mean. And then there's another group of people who doesn't know what I mean. My group of people don't really know naturally, instinctively what I mean. But it's what happens when the voice is there connect with the voices of the angels of heaven and there's sort of a movement or wave into a song of worship where the band goes, let's go with you and go there. The reason why that space is important is that the goal of the church is not to effectively execute a program. 
The goal of the church is to create a safe space for the Spirit of God to dwell among us. And a safe space for you to heal your heart. And it must be, there must be a purity in the space, hey? So you can do surgery. You don't do surgery in an impure environment. People might want a bit of surgery in the soul. So church has to have a bit of a holiness, cleanliness to it, right? But I, I really want to motivate and encourage you. And I, I've waited for months, really. We've spoken about it. When would be an appropriate time to have this conversation? But we've all needed to get to know each other a little as we reweave together the fabric of who we are as a people of God praising Him. And the time is right now to just open the door and say, make yourself at home and see what the Lord will do. See what the Lord will do.